I think we're in week three of a, a little mini-series that I have entitled Marching Orders. I believe that the Spirit is gathering the people of God and positioning them in spiritual warfare to declare a new move of the Holy Spirit. God wants to move in power in our lives and through our lives. And um, we have meandered through the whole concept of what it is to be spiritual warriors. How many of us recognize tonight that whether you want to be or you don't want to be, we are all in a spiritual battle? Now, if I have to be in it, I'd like to win it. Wouldn't you? And last week, we stumbled into the thought that we are called to fight the good fight. Does anybody remember what a good fight is? One that you can be certain you will win. Amen? That's a good fight, isn't it? How many of us have fought battles we never had the capacity to win? In Christ Jesus and Christ in us, we have a capacity to win the battles that come before us as we take advantage of God's Spirit's power to lead us into victory. But we can't sustain that kind of activity without understanding a little bit more about how, how the Spirit moves and works through our lives. I do believe for us as Christians that we need to understand that the enemy cannot penetrate the armor of a person that lives in the rest of God. If you're living in the rest of God, then you are unattainable and you are unavailable to the powers of darkness because you are hidden in Christ. You are covered by God's goodness, and you are living in the completed and the finished work of Jesus. How many of us would love to adopt that posture in warfare? Now, many of us, we do warfare, and then we rest, and then we do warfare, and then we rest. How about this invitation that we could war out of rest, that out of the rest that abides in our soul, that's provided for us through Jesus Christ, we can be far more effectual in the warfare that we're living here on earth. And Jesus, I believe, is calling the church to live with that kind of clarity and live with that kind of reality in their lives. In Matthew chapter 11, let's read it together, verses 28 through to 30. This is what he says to the people that belong to him. He says, come to me. Say, come to me. There lies the biggest issue for many of us. <laughs> when it comes to the battle, we're not coming to Jesus. In fact, sometimes those who are the greatest warriors amongst us are so worn out by the, the, the warfare that exists around their lives that they're not living in the blessing of God. They're not living anymore in the abundance of the presence of Christ in their lives. And we need to learn how to come to Him. And we need to come to Him in every facet of our lives. As we are drawn deeper into who Christ is for us, we start to become far more effectual in the way that God uses us. Intimacy creates an authority and brings about the destiny of the people that God has placed around you and me. So Jesus says, come to me. And then he identifies the kind of people that need that kind of reality. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary. Is there anybody weary here tonight? Anybody weary? Yes, there's a few of us that are weary in the room. And heavy laden, I think the authorized version, my version says burdened. All of those who are weary and heavy laden. And look at the promise to us as we draw deeper into relationship with God. And I will give you rest. So I don't know about you, church, but that sounds like a good deal. I trade my weariness and I trade my burdens and I experience rest. I can offer God my brokenness and I can receive his blessedness. I can come to him 
in all of my weakness, and I can start living in his wonder. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The promise of God to his church is that we can live consistently in the rest that has been afforded to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And look at what he says in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, can I ask you this question? Perhaps you could answer it a little bit more quickly than I could. How many of us need to learn how to rest? Now, I think if we were here talking about more activity, we'd all put our hands in the air and shout hallelujah and glory because activity and, and busyness and, and consistently doing and giving, that seems to come for many of us quite naturally. But we will need God's help to live in the abiding truth and reality of who Christ is for you and me. We will need God to teach us how to rest, how to rest in Christ Jesus, to rest in his love, to rest in his goodness, to rest in his provision for our lives. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Anybody up for a learning experience? For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And look at verse 30. If there was ever an invitation that should captivate our hearts, it's this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This week, I want to talk to you about how to live a sustained spiritual warfare activity while living in the reality of the rest that's available to us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to title it, if I can, Escape to Reality. Not escape from reality, because God, as we heard this afternoon, is in the midst of us in our very real experience. But right in the middle of our chaos and mayhem, there is a place of rest and provision for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4 verse 11 says this, There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Do we have any people of God here this evening? Well, there is a Sabbath rest for you. Have you visited recently? Have you enjoyed the Sabbath blessing of the rest of God in your heart and in your life? If anyone who entered God's rest <clears throat> rests also from his own work, in other words, it may take a little orchestration in the practicalities of our lives to live a little bit more intentionally in the rest of God, just as God did from his work. Therefore, let us make every effort. Now, that sounds counterintuitive. How can you enjoy rest when you have to make every effort? Like I said to you earlier, I think rest is something for the Christian that has to be practiced. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but the minute I lie down, I fall asleep. My, I'm of, of a certain age that if I put my head back anywhere, I find myself just, my eyes get very heavy. I like to tell people that I'm reading the scriptures that I've had tattooed on the inside of my eyelids, but actually that's not true. I just, I find myself as I get older, just needing a little bit more of rest, physical rest in my life. Anybody can identify with that? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil, you're in church. But in the kingdom, I have to make an effort to rest. And I have to make an effort because my soul is distracted by all kinds of responsibilities. I'm busy in my mind, even if I'm not busy in my life. And there's been many times where the Lord has asked me just to be still. And the outworking of that is that I would have revelation. I would know that he is God in the midst of my circumstances. 
And because I so desperately want to know that he is God in the midst of my circumstances, I have attempted to be still. Have you found that being still is the hardest thing that you've ever done? Shutting out the noises, dealing with the distractions. We used to have a thing many years ago that used to happen to try and help us be still. It was called soaking. Have you heard of soaking? We put on some instrumental, instrumental music and we just lie down in the presence of God. Well, you guess where this is going? That within about three notes in, I find myself hearing this sound and I realize it's myself snoring. <laughs> I wasn't enjoying the rest of God. I was kind of singing along to the melody line that my nostrils were making as I was trying to encounter Jesus. I find rest really, really difficult. Is there anyone like me that struggles with rest? Now, when I was younger and people would talk like this around my life, I would think, don't be crazy. People would say things, I go on holiday and my mind is so preoccupied. I couldn't imagine what that would look like to go on holiday and your mind is preoccupied with responsibilities. But trust me, it doesn't matter where I am in the world, how lovely the beach is, how glorious the sunshine is. There isn't a space or a place that I've come across in the last few years that I don't take myself with me. And because I take myself with me, I end up thinking things and talking in my head to God about things and trying to understand things and grappling with issues in my life. Can anybody identify with the problem of a lack of rest and peace? You see, it's so vital for us to declutter our lives. It's so vital for us to learn to be still. It's so important for us to come to a place of abiding in the rest and the provision of Jesus and the reason I believe we find it so difficult is that the enemy knows that when we enter his rest, we enter into a place of provision and power. And so he wants to keep your mind proactive and reactive to anything and everything that's taking place around your life. And how many of us would hate if all that we thought was written on the walls around us? Can you imagine coming to church and God writing your thoughts? Have you ever spent time thinking about what you think about? Anybody? I realized a couple of years ago that 98% of everything I think about never really happens. I spend lots of effort and energy internally trying to work out some things that don't even happen. So I'm going somewhere and I'm meeting someone. I think, what will I say? How will I respond? And they don't turn up. And I spent three hours worrying about how this meeting's going to be, and nothing ever materializes. I would say a good 95, if not more, percent of everything we think about does not produce life. Philippians 4.8 says this to us. Whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, these things think upon. And how many of us need our minds to be trained to enter into the rest that is provided for us through Christ Jesus? Why is it that the enemy likes to keep our lives in chaos? Because he is the author of chaos. He wants everybody to be confused. He wants everybody to be running around. He's full of chaos and allegation and accusation. But if you want to be a true spiritual warrior that's effective in the purposes of God, you need the Spirit of God to help you to calm your inner life. Your soul needs to be anchored in the reality of who Christ is for you. And why do we need that? We need that because rest is a secret weapon that destroys the anarchy that the enemy is trying to bring to our reality. You see, as Christians, 
we should be exceptionally peaceful people. Now, please, I've met some of us. Sometimes we're everything and anything else but exceptionally peaceful. And here's the problem with that. If I'm not living in the peace of God, if I'm not living in the rest of God, I'm going to interact and react to the world around me without the truest sense of who I am in Christ and who Christ is for me. If somebody bumps into me, I'm going to bump back into them. If somebody says something against me, I might even say something against them. If the world is a chaotic place and my inner world is a chaotic place, guess what's going to happen? They're going to clash repeatedly over and over again. For me to navigate myself in this world of chaos, I need to have my house in order. I need to be living in the rest and the peace and the joy and the goodness of God. You see, the enemy cannot penetrate the armor of a person who's living in the rest that Jesus has provided. Another thought that occurs to me is simply this, that this rest that I speak about in warfare is not dependent on how strong we are, but it's dependent on how powerful we believe God to be in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this is what it says. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. As I abide in the completed and finished work of Jesus, as I learn to live in rest, it is not my strength that wins the battle. It is indeed the power that's afforded to me through the work of Christ that's available to me that tears down the strongholds around me. If we are unaware of God's power, it's probably because we have not spent time abiding in his rest. It's not your strength. It's his strength in you. And the Apostle Paul writes these words, living out of that reality. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why don't we say that together, church? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So spiritual warriors that are living out of rest need to recognize it's not their strength that wins the battle, but it's the strength of Christ, the abiding reality of Christ that actually causes us to take down the strongholds and the adversities against our lives. A third thing that I think is important to say is this, that spiritual warriors know and have learned how to use their own weakness and become vulnerable to the strength and power of God. You know, some of the times whenever I'm trying to move forward in my life, I get in the way of what God wants to do. Do you ever have a grandiose notion that you're better at this than you really are? Have you ever come out of a conference and you feel all pumped up for an hour and a half? You're going to change the world before lunch? Talk to me, come on. It's true, isn't it? We get grandiose notions of our capacity. Now, I think the reason for that is that we have lived outside of relationship with God. And when you start to catch a glimpse of all that God has done in you and all that God can do through you, you get a little bit excitable. A little bit excitable. I remember once coming back from an MIT conference, Pastor Colin was speaking at it, and he was talking about spiritual warfare. Well, I tell you what, I prophesied over my life in the car for about an hour and a half. I tell you what, I was tearing down strongholds. You would have been ever so impressed. I was going to go back to my context and make a world of difference. 
And then I drove into the, the, um, the motorway services and somebody pulled out in front of me and the whole thing was over in a flash. All of those strongholds suddenly came and took a stronghold over me. Sometimes we're just a little delusional about ourselves, but actually our weakness is an opportunity for God's strengths to be displayed. And we need to work our weakness into the wonder of serving Almighty God. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, Paul says these words, Concerning this thing, I plead with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Listen to why. That the power of Christ may rest on me. Amen. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. And this is how he finishes that sentence. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know, a, a true spiritual warrior will learn how to work their weakness in the purposes of God's wonder. Many, many times, you know, I question why I am involved in this type of thing. I never thought that I would ever do this with my life. I must confess to you, it's still a bit of a shock. It still is a bit of a shock after all these years. I only came out for a loaf of bread. I don't know what happened. I just ended up doing all these things. And, and God began to explore this with me many, many years ago. But, you know, I stand often in moments like this absolutely petrified. I mean, why would you want to hear what I have to say? I'm just like you. I'm a person on a journey with God. I've learned some things. I've lost some things. I'm still working through my brokenness. I still have pain. Anybody identify with that? And many times the task is so much greater than my capacity. And I stand in a moment and have a reality check. Oh God, here's my greatest prayer. Help! Have you ever prayed that prayer? I think it's prophetic. And I think it invites us to a moment of clarity about the reality of what's happening here. Because I can't make anything happen that changes anybody's life. Paul says this, I do not come to you with persuasive words or arguments. Isn't that the truth? I have no persuasive words or arguments. But this is how I choose to come to you. In the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is turning and continues to turn my insecurities into dependencies. And as I move out of insecurity into dependency, in faith stepping out in the things that God has set before me, I start to see that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, some of our greatest adventures never happen because we either pretend to ourselves we're stronger than we are and we haven't acknowledged our need of God or indeed we're so paralyzed by our weakness that we haven't offered it to God in meekness and asked him to come and pour out his spirit upon it so he can use us in mighty ways. Either way will rob you from the destiny and the opportunity that God has set before you. We don't want to shrink back whenever we're out of our depth. Because when we're out of our depth, we're in his grip. Amen. We don't need to retreat when things get difficult. Because he's the God who changes all things according to in his will and his purpose. In those moments when I'm beyond myself, I'm reliant on him. And when I'm reliant on him, I say these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I ask or imagine in Christ Jesus and in the church, be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you're not in places where you're out of your depth, you're not in the midst of your destiny. This whole thing is much bigger than you and I. 
We cannot do this. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by expertise, but by a reliance on the Spirit's power in our lives that we are invited to change the world for Christ. It's a high, glorious calling, and it demands of me true humility, which is to step up into the greatness of the God who abides in me, moving past my insecurity and relying on him dependently. He is faithful to his promises. And you know, in those moments, he turns up and people get healed and saved and God does all kinds of things. And I often wonder what would it look like if I just stayed insecure? Now, trust me, I have a lot of insecurities, but if I didn't allow God to turn them into dependencies, how many people would not have been affected by the kingdom of God in the moments that I had with Christ? Your weakness is an opportunity for his wonder. Do not despise your weakness. Just offer it to him and say, Lord, I am weak, but you are strong. God, I need you more than I realize. I don't want to pretend to myself I've got it all together because when I've got it all together, I'm in the all together. I'm as naked as the day I was born, so vulnerable to the powers of, the, of darkness, Lord, that I would be an easy target and easy to destroy. So what does it mean to rest in God's power? To rest in God's power in your own weakness seems to be a contradiction because power and weakness don't seem to go together. But it's right there in that combination that we see grace. I am weak, but he is strong. I lack, but he is all sufficient. I have little, but he is the God of abundance. It's in those moments as I interact with him that I start to understand that his grace truly is sufficient for me. It's sufficient for me in my weakness, it's sufficient for me in my calling. It's sufficient for me in my warfare. And as I live out of rest, I start to enjoy the adventure a little bit more. To rest in God's power when you're aware of your weakness is simply an invitation for the grace of God to move and to abound in your heart, in your life. To be confident in who God is for you when you feel overwhelmed by the odds against you. Has anybody ever felt that? Well, that's called peace. It may look like I'm surrounded. And often in warfare, it feels like I'm surrounded. <laughs> and in the midst of adversity, I feel very aware that I'm surrounded. But the truth is, I'm surrounded by God. His peace is available to me in the midst of all of that mess and mayhem. I want to be confident in the midst of the mire, when the odds are stacked against me, I want a peace that comes out of the reality that God is for me. So to rest in God's power when your own weakness seems to be screaming at you, that's grace. To be confident in who God is for you when you feel overwhelmed by the odds against you, that's peace. And to stand alone against massive intimidation, that's going to require of you a whole new level of trust. You see, spiritual warriors, they know who God is for them, and they are aware of the partnership they have with him. So let's go to the text, and there's a couple of things here just to highlight to us as we move a little bit deeper into our understanding of living in rest. In Matthew 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now look at this phrase here. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does this mean? To take his yoke upon us is simply this, that we partner with him 
in the battle. Jesus used this term yoke when he called his people to enter into his rest. So let me paint the picture for you. I'm in a battle, but Jesus is yoked to me. Can you imagine if I'm yoked to Jesus, that Jesus is alarmed by the battle that we're in? Of course not. I'm in a battle and I'm yoked to Jesus. We have a partnership, a yoking together in the midst of circumstances. Should I be frightened? Is Jesus frightened in the battle? No, he isn't. And I'm yoked with him and he's yoked with me. So fear has no place in the adventure that lies ahead. I'm in a battle and everything looks like it's raging against me. But the one who is yoked to me is the conqueror, the king of kings and the Lord of lords who has overcome darkness and sin and shame and everything else. Why would I be intimidated by the works of the enemy when I am yoked to the God of glory? This yoking is the place that is set aside for the church where in the spirit we are able to rest in the abiding reality of who God is. And as we live with Jesus in the midst of all of these things, we make the enemy tired. He becomes wearied in trying to steal the promises of God from your life. Imagine if you could think for a moment just how effectual that kind of partnership can be in the way that you live your life. You have been grafted into Christ Jesus. Once you were not his people, now you are his people. A royal priesthood, a holy people set apart for the purposes of God. Once you were an orphan, as a result of that yoking, you are now a co-heir with Christ Jesus. Once you were weak and despised and lowly in your sin, now you've been raised to Christ in heavenly places and you rule with him over all powers, authorities, and dominions. As you open your mouth, his kingdom can come. Why? Because you are yoked with him. You are in partnership with the God who has won every battle. Every battle. Who has dealt with every sin. Hello? That kind of partnership, it needs to be clear in our minds if we're going to live in rest. Because I live with Christ in his finished and accomplished work. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So when I'm yoked with Christ in the middle of the battle, I should not be petrified. I should not be marginalized. I should not be restricted. I can have a boldness out of rest because I am yoked with Christ Jesus. That's my new reality. I am a new creature. The old me has gone, and the new me has come. But for that to happen, we need our minds renewed. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? That intimate reality that is now afforded to you and me through Christ's victory. Someone say amen to that. And we take every thought captive, anything that stops us, from living in and abiding in our new yoked reality with Christ Jesus, and we make it obedient to Christ. You see, the greatest battle for many of us in warfare is not what happens externally, it's what happens internally. But you and I are grafted into Christ, and Christ is in us, and we are yoked with him, and he's the overcomer. 
And consequently, every battle I face, I have to live from that clarity. And I need to get my mind into partnership with my spiritual reality. The second thing that I need to happen is that our hearts need to be filled with a love for God. In Philippians 4 verse 7, it says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, look at what that peace will do. That's a clarity and a certainty about your yoked reality with Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will do this for you, church. It will guard your hearts and your minds as you abide in your yoked reality with Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. Matthew 6 verse 21 tells us that our heart is important in relationship to this truth. It says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If I want to develop a greater sense of connectivity to Christ, then I need Christ to be the treasure of my heart. I need him to be the love of my life. He needs to be my awaking thought and my closing amen at the end of the day. I need to live consciously in worship and adoration and joy and celebration to the reality that I am in him and he is in me. Psalm 37 tells us that the result of that is this, that as we delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. What that really means is this, that as you delight in the Lord, his desires will become your desires in your heart. And you will be in step, equally yoked with Christ Jesus in the adventure that lies ahead. You see, I believe we can make the enemy very weary and discouraged, <laughs> deflated and intimidated by the intimacy that comes out of our rest in Christ Jesus. And I want to just close, if I can, with this thought. I have other things to say to you. We may get them to another time. But this, when I am yoked with Christ, my question to all of us here today to think about is simply this. Do I lack anything? When I'm yoked with Christ, when we are together in the battle, am I insufficient in my own self? Of course I am. But in Christ, there is a sufficiency that's afforded to me as a new reality. Therefore, warfare becomes fun. It becomes fun because it becomes about God revealing his heart. It becomes about God opening up his kingdom. It becomes about God revealing his nature. And I'm learning and learning and learning all the time who it is that I have been yoked with. And because in heaven there is no worry, and I'm yoked with Jesus who is in heaven, I must not worry. Because in heaven there is no weariness, and I'm yoked with Jesus, I need not live in weariness. I have an invitation to live in his wonder. Because in heaven there is no mental tiredness, though my heart and my soul and my flesh are in relationship with God, I do not have to live out of mental tiredness. I can live in the mind, the fullness of that that's available to me in my yoked reality with Christ Jesus. I can hear him whisper the secrets of his heart into my heart as we move forward together in advancement. In heaven, there is no depression. So though I feel that I'm overwhelmed and surrounded on all sides by all kinds of things, my heart does not grow faint because the place where my heart is occupied and preoccupied is the heart of Christ for me. 
And so out of that intimacy comes this clarity that I can access all that Christ has made available to me. When we pray these words, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done, we're adopting a posture of yokeness with Christ Jesus because God has always subjected the advances of his kingdom to the partnerships he has with his people. When I bind something in the heavens that isn't in the heavens, I'm doing it because I'm partnered and yoked with Christ. And I know that there are no demonic forces in the heavenly realms that have a power and authority that trump the reality of Christ's truth. When I think of his blood, which is sufficient for salvation for all mankind, I know that I lack no good thing in regard to the battle that I'm facing because Christ is in me and I am in him. We are a partnership yoked for the purposes of God. There is nothing that is not available to me as I abide in the reality and rest in the finished work of Jesus, I start to live a little bit differently and I start to think a little bit more gloriously and I start to see more kingdom activity. So I'm going to close with a story. For many, many years, I have battled in my own life with all kinds of things. I come from a very broken family, a very broken life, and many, many times across the journey, I have often wondered why God just didn't wave a magic wand and take things away from me. Have you ever done that? I used to pray these prayers. God, if I go to bed tonight, could I wake up tomorrow morning and be completely different? Has anybody ever prayed those prayers? You know, we sometimes think that Jesus is like Peter Pan. He just waves his magic wand and everything's fixed and changed. But I've noticed something about him. He's never in a hurry to transform me. Why? Because he wants to partner with me in the transformation process. You see, if I woke up tomorrow and I was completely different, I wouldn't know how to access the power of God on a day-to-day -day basis to live out the new life that he's given me. I would be floundering and I would be disorientated and I would be confused about all kinds of things. So God is never going to wake you up tomorrow and all your problems are resolved in Jesus' name. You need to stop praying those prayers. It's such a waste of energy. But here's what he will do. He will walk with you in the journey. He will fellowship and tabernacle with you, revealing to you his glory. He will open your heart to the reality of who he is. He will reveal his love, which is the starting point for all things in the kingdom of God. That love will change you from the inside out. You won't even recognize yourself in a few years' time because love transforms you with the beauty and the goodness of God. And you start to think differently. You start to live differently. And I believe sometimes we're trying to bring change from the outside in. But in the kingdom, it happens on the inside and works its way out. The God inside of you is more than enough for you. And as you begin to understand your yoked position with him, you start to lean a little bit more on his resource to advance your life in the way that he has intended it to be. He doesn't do it for us. He does it with us. He doesn't take us out of us. He doesn't take us out of it. He takes us through it. He doesn't remove the obstacles. He turns them into opportunities for you to grow in relationship with him, understanding the partnership that you have, and learning from him as your greatest friend, the wisest one you will ever encounter who knows everything about every battle and every circumstance in your life 
And as you start to grow in the knowledge of God, you start to become a little bit more assured that he is with you and he is for you and no weapon fashioned against you can prosper. And that is the invitation to war from rest. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He has completed what is necessary for your new reality, your advancement in the kingdom, the transforming power of his love, his grace, and his mercy. And God invites you to walk with him, to be yoked in him, to make those things that he has made available to you a reality in your life on earth. His kingdom comes when we walk in that kind of partnership. His will is done when we walk in that kind of clarity.